Welcome to Communion House Podcast with Pastor Moses Anderson, a ministry raised by God for the rebirth of the early church with a strong commitment to seeing others rise and shine in these last days. Join Pastor Moses for today's message. But before we go ahead, I want to remind us of something that I started singing last week. Um, last week, um, I believe it was, I spoke about the gospel of remembrance. And for those people who have been following my teaching for a while now, one of the things that you will know is um, I, I'm very keen on understanding and sharing the doctrine of the apostles. The doctrine of the apostles because the bible says that the early church in acts chapter 2 that they went from house to house breaking bread and steadfastly continuing in the doctrine of the apostles because if we don't know what the doctrine of the apostles what the doctrines of the apostles were we may not be as equipped in calling out the doctrine of demons that have found their ways into the church, into the world. And you see, so the thing is, the doctrine of demons have found their ways into the world and the world has found its way into the church. Or more like the church kind of like um, lost its lost itself in the world. You know, because a lot of what we see today that have constituted weaknesses in the body have some, have mostly, or I should say somewhat been out of good intentions, wherein we wanted to become all things to all men, like, like the Apostle Paul said, becoming all things to all men, that by all means we may win some. In the process of becoming all things to all men and trying to accept all people and trying to make everybody feel welcome, I think to a large extent we have lost ourselves in the process. You know, the Bible, the same apostle Paul, while he was speaking, he said to the ones that are without law, I became as though I'm without law, not because I am not, not because I'm without law before my father, not because I'm without law before God, not because I do not, I do not have accountability for the grace of God that is upon my life, nor response, nor, nor, nor responsibility for the privileges that I have. You see, so, but that's the balance or that, that's the balance that we've been missing mostly um, in the body, wherein we just went all out. We just just want people to feel comfortable when they come to our meetings and so we don't preach the gospel of repentance um, as we should you know because people who have yet to come into the kingdom still need to repent you look at the way the the, the ministry of Jesus began it started with the uh, ministry of John the Baptist John the Baptist came and he preached the gospel of repentance uh, and Jesus came and he preached the gospel of the kingdom uh, which, of course, to us now that the kingdom has come, we call it the gospel of remembrance. And when Jesus was leaving, he said to his disciples, do this in remembrance of me. And that was the reason why when he sent the Holy Spirit to the disciples, he said to them, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth will bring to your remembrance the things that I have said. Now, that same Holy Spirit is the one that convicts the world of sin and the believer of righteousness. The believer needs to remember that he is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and the unbeliever needs to be aware of their need for repentance. And so I've spoken a great deal over the last couple of years about these two things, the gospel of remembrance and the gospel of repentance. However, lately, the Holy Spirit has been weighing on my heart to add to my speak another gospel. When I say another gospel, there is no other gospel. There is only one gospel, and that is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what I mean is another dimension to the repentance, 
and the remembrance. And so today I am glad to introduce to you uh, the gospel of resemblance, the gospel of resemblance. So we as believers, we need to look like Jesus. We are like him. When we got born again, we got born again to become like him. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. And so when he fell to the ground and died for your sins and my sins, not fall as one will fall into a temptation, but fall as laying his own life down to be in the ground for your sake and then raised up uh, for your justification. When that happened, he was raised up as the firstborn amongst many brethren. And he said, as I am, so are you. So if the life that I now live is the glorified life of the son of God, when I show up, Jesus should be seen. Jesus should be seen. And so it is not enough for us to repent from, from sin and be translated into the kingdom of God's dear son, Jesus Christ. It's not enough to have our feet removed from the merry clay and set upon the solid rock to stay. It is not enough for us to be saved and scooped out of the world and to God's own family, which is the process of repentance. It is also critical for us to embrace the gospel of remembrance which keeps us reminded of what was done for us and what we are meant to do to keep us in remembrance of the sacrifice that he made so that we always have the willingness to make sacrifices for others jesus gave us his life not just so that we can give him our lives but so that we can take his example and then give our lives to others i jokingly said a, a, a couple of years ago that that was i once gave my life to christ but then after a while, as I grew in the faith, I realized what I had done. So I went back and took it and then gave it to others. And, you know, it takes you, you, you have to think about it. I mean, I didn't just say it. I, I, I thought about it. I thought about it before saying it. You know, when the point that I was trying to get across back then when I said it is this, a lot of us, we just see the relationship between us and Jesus as all there is. Jesus gave me his life. Okay, we did well. I'm not going to get, I'm just then also going to give him my life. Okay. So that's why we say we've given our lives to Christ. But in reality, what Jesus commanded us to do is not to come and have that exchange of, okay, look, here is my life, the glorified life. You take it. Let me have yours. That wasn't going anywhere. Now we're even, or, or the exchange is complete. No, Jesus says greater love has no man than this, than for a man to lay down his life for his friends. And so Jesus gave me his life so that I can take his example and use that as, um, what's it called? And use it not just as a motivation, but as my guiding principle for my day, for daily living to give my life to others. Jesus gave me his life and then I give my life to others. That is the way it works. We pass it on freely. Have you received therefore freely give now? So you see as believers, haven't been translated into the kingdom of God, we need to be reminded of that constantly so that we are not just walking around with such an entitlement mentality that says, oh, Jesus gave me his life, so others need to give me their lives as well. Jesus already forgave me, so others have to put up with me. You know, because if we're not careful, if we don't remember it appropriately, we'll make it about us rather than make it about him and invariably about others. 
All right. And so that's the gospel of remembrance to constantly be reminded that I do not need that. There is nothing I can do to save me other than to embrace the salvation that he already has for me. So that that way I block the door to, um, to condemnation that comes from falling short and the guilt that comes from going astray. So that rather than stay guilty and feeling condemned, and wasting precious time, I embrace the grace of God because it's justified me and I keep moving, doing the work of an evangelist, reaching out to others lovingly and prayerfully and committedly. Alrighty? So that is the gospel of remembrance in, in, in a nutshell. Now, today, that which I am introducing uh, or bringing to us, I mean, when I say introducing, it's not like I'm saying you've never heard it before, but the perspective that I am bringing by the grace of God today is the perspective of remembrance, of resemblance, because having been translated into the kingdom, there is now one thing that we are supposed to do. We are meant to continually grow into that stature of Christ. You see, because Christ is not a baby anymore. So you may go to places of worship and see statues of Jesus as a baby being, being saddled by or cradled by Mary. Um, but that is, that is not the image of Jesus that we should carry along with us everywhere we go. He is the son of God, not the baby of God, not the child of God. He came in, of course, born as a child, but he grew, the Bible says, and the child Jesus grew and waxed strong in spirit, having favor with God and with men. You see, things become favorable to us in this life as we grow, not as we, not, not by remaining as children. Okay. Remaining as children means things that the top of the shelf will continue to be unreachable to you. As children means that you're always going to be in need of others to clean up your mess rather than you growing up to clean up the mess of other people. And so let's look at Jesus as that grown up son of God who who, who matured enough to understand responsibility and to also be able to make the decision to sacrifice himself. All right. And so if you look at yourself in that light, then you can recognize or begin to appreciate the need to grow into that stature of Christ. The Bible says that whom he did for no, speaking of the father, the creator of all things, he predestined and whom he predestined, he called Romans chapter eight, whom he called, he justified, and whom he justified, he glorified. And now, see, all that process is the process of us growing into the stature of Christ. We have been transformed into that same image from a level of glory to a higher level of glory. And so, ultimately, on this journey that we are on, we are meant to constantly seek to be like him. The Bible says, be holy as I am holy. You see, we are supposed to be holy as he is holy. We're supposed to grow and be conformed unto the image of Christ. That is the ultimate goal of the believer because we know that in the end, when we stand before him, the Bible says, when we behold him, we shall be like him. So it is not just time to go, it is time to grow. You know, a lot of the happenings around us today, as Jesus said, he says, when you see these things, lift up your head for your redemption is near. We are very much focused on redemption these days, which is like we're focused on the time to go. We're looking at our time. We're looking at what's happening in the world. And we're saying, wow, thank God for the dreams, for the visions, for the revelations, for the prophetic, for, for, the, for the prophetic, for the fulfillment of prophecy. Yay, yay, yay. It is time to go. I know that it might be time to go, but then at the same time, it is essential for us to recognize that it is also time 
to grow because if we haven't grown into the stature of Christ what we are doing is we are making the grace of God we're making light of the grace of God you see that grace of God is there for us to grow so given that as an introduction to what this gospel of of resemblance looks like I want to take us to certain examples in scripture and show to us how Jesus himself began to speak about resemblance began to speak about us growing to be like him you see because at the end of the day folks it is not like many of us didn't get born again when we said we got born again we did get born again but what happened was we have remained babes in the kingdom or babes in the things of God. And that is the reason why every little thing scares us. That is the reason why every little thing upsets us. And whenever we get upset, rather than being able to communicate effectively with others around us, rather than being able to effectively communicate with our spouses, rather than being able to effectively communicate with our children, rather than being able to communicate effectively with our neighbors, even communicate with our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, we cry, we get emotional, we throw tantrums simply because we are but babes. You see, babies are the ones who throw tantrums rather than have a conversation. You see, God expects that as we grow, we will learn how to invite other people to having a conversation that edifies, a conversation that brings about a holy loving rebuke that leads to repentance as opposed to all of the emotional uh blackmailing that we do and all of the psychological battle or psychological battles that we go to that we go through and we take others through all of the i'm just gonna cry until i make you feel uncomfortable enough uh to get up and do something about the situation you see we, we we've resorted into doing things as children simply because a lot of us as believers have refused to grow a lot of us as believers have refused to grow. And so here is the deal, folks. How do we remedy the situation? How do we fix that? We fix that by first of all recognizing the need for growth. You see, because there's no way we're going to become like Jesus if we do not grow. There is no way because even Jesus himself, he grew. And that is the beauty of the process of Jesus is coming into the world. He came into the world as a man so that we are without excuse. Adam was made as a grown man. The day Adam was formed, he was formed and he was a grown man. Everything was fully formed. He was there. He was a man ready to even take on a wife. And so maybe Adam wasn't the perfect example for us to follow. But Jesus is. Because the Bible says that the child, Jesus, grew and he waxed strong in spirit. You see what I mean? So the thing is, we shouldn't just look at ourselves as children in, in, terms of only, in terms of our physical appearance, because some of us did not even get born again as children. We were already grown adults when we got born again. But the moment you get born again, right, even though your outward appearance still looks like that of a 30-year-old man, on the inside, you become a babe. How do I know that? The Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, old things have passed away, behold, all things are new. And so you become a new babe when you get born again. And as a baby, 
I mean, you know this battle that we all have to fight whenever someone has a baby and you go to visit them or they bring the baby to visit you or you run into them in the marketplace or at church and you're like, oh, this baby looks like the mom. And the dad is like, what do you mean? It definitely looks like me. Everybody tells me that it looks like me. All my family believes that the baby looks like me. And then, you know, you dig yourself out of the hole if you can. And sometimes you dig yourself even deeper by pointing out features that obviously make it even more an argument that the baby looks like the mother. And while you're still there digging yourself in or out, somebody else comes, which might even be your own wife. And she comes and says, wow, this baby looks so much like the dad. And it's like, can we all just agree on who the baby looks like? The answer is no, we cannot because babies keep changing. At three months, they may look like the grandfather. And at six months, they may look like the father. They keep looking like different people. I mean, we only just pray that they don't grow up continuing to look more like the postman as the joke goes. So at the end of the day, we know that the difficulty exists in being able to tell emphatically who a baby looks like. But then as the child continues to grow in the admonition of the family, we begin to see more clearly who the child looks like. I tell you what, folks, the significance of what I am saying to you as a believer is the reason why you feel like your authority, not maybe even feel, the reason why your authority hasn't really been that effective is because you're trying to scare demons out of your world who look at you and they're like, who is this guy? We don't know this guy, this newbie. We don't even know who you are. You know, as they said to some people who tried to cast out demons in Jesus' name, they were like, Paul, we know. Jesus, we know. But who the heck are you? You see what I mean? The reason why they know Paul is because Paul had allowed himself to grow into the stature of Christ. So basically, when they see Paul, it's hard to tell whether it is Paul or Jesus because of how closely they look alike to the point where no demon wants to find out if it was Paul or if it was Jesus. Because if you're trying to find out if he was a man and it turned out to be that it was Jesus, remember how he spoiled all principalities and powers and make an open show of them. He taught them a lesson with a mighty blow and nobody wants to find out that again. And that is the reason why when you grow in the, into the stature of Christ, your authority becomes that effective because those demons don't want to have to fight Jesus again at least not until the not until the final battle not until what we're experiencing now which is the armageddon or the armageddon as some people would like to have me say it you see but then at the end of the day the deal is this the more you look like him the more effective you are in your authority the, see when i was but a babe i couldn't go and tell my, the people working for my dad how they should do their jobs they're just gonna look at me and smile and say well nice try little fellow get out of here and go suck your bottle you see what i mean but then as i grew older and i walked with my dad i had times when i actually hired the people that worked in the company. I would be the ones to interview them and just tell my dad, oh, um, he, uh, yesterday I interviewed a lady that's going to resume and start doing this and doing that. And he's totally fine with it because he's come to be confident in my judgment as I have grown into his stature. And so that is why it is important to you as a believer to grow because without growing, you cannot have the full resemblance of the Lord Jesus. And if you don't have the full resemblance of the Lord Jesus, you show up in heaven and the, and, and you're trying to use face ID to get in and, and, and it keeps denying you simply because you have a face that is alien to the kingdom of God, to, to the presence of God. You see, ultimately, let me put it this way. Jesus came down for one thing. And that is to save you and I. And the way that he saved us is to give us his identity. John chapter 1 
begins by saying in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, making it very clear that the word of God and God himself have the same identity. And this word became flesh, the same John chapter one and dwelt amongst men. And what happened? We beheld his glory and that glory was as of what the son of God. So we're still talking about that identity. That glory refers to the identity of God, the same identity that God wants to share with you and me. God is so eager to see you grow to being able to use his driver's license as your own ID card. Yes. Ultimately, God wants you to be able to use his own identity. And that's why he gave it to you. But then I cannot show up as a six-year-old boy holding up my father's ID card. Because when you look at it, we don't look anything alike. We, some people said we, we look alike on some days when I was six years old. But now as a man, you, you see me and then you know whose son I am. You see, and so that is exactly why Jesus came. And that is how he would that is how salvation is obtained. I started by telling you in John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, how Jesus has the same identity as the Father, and how later on, I believe in verse 9, we saw that his glory was the glory of the Son of God, which is still describing further that identity. And then in verse 12, the Bible says, For as many, for as many as have received him, even to those who believe on his name, have we given the power to be called to become the Son of God. You get the power to become the sons of God. It's like this. You don't become the Son you get the power to become the son. The day you give your life to Christ and you get born again, that is not the day you become the son. That is the day you become a child of God. And the child of God is not to remain a child of God. For the Bible lets us know that an offspring, while yet a child, does not differ from a servant. And servants do not inherit the kingdom. Servants are not entitled to the inheritance. Remember when Abraham cried to the Lord and says, are you going to let this happen? Wherein a servant is who, 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 who inherits me. I need my own son. I need my own child. And God gave him his own child that grew and became a son. And so at the end of the day, do yourself a favor. Don't remain a child. Don't remain a servant. Grow up and become a son. Because when you become a son, you, you have already been given the power to make it happen. And that power is the Holy Spirit. You see, when the Bible says, have we given them the power to become the sons of God? That was an introduction of the Holy Spirit into the picture of your salvation. The Holy Spirit was introduced to us from Genesis, from John chapter 1 verse 12 as part of being in as part of our salvation journey and salvation experience and someone says but how do you know that the holy spirit is that power could that power not have been faith could that power not have just been you know this this um what do you call it incumbent um identity that would then eventually mature at the end of the day no romans chapter 8 verse 15 clearly lets us know that the holy spirit is that power in fact why don't we read romans chapter 8 verse 15 together romans chapter 8 um, the book, the, the, the chapter 8 of Romans is actually a chapter that I believe everybody needs to have memorized. At least if not fully memorized to being able to recite it verse by verse to at least know all of what it says. It is such an amazing, amazing guidance or, or set of guidelines uh, for the reasoning and the mentality or shall I say the psyche of the believer. And so Romans is the very first epistle that was written um, or at least we have written by the Apostle Paul. And chapter 8, verse 5 of the book of Romans says this. 
for you, in fact, let's read from verse 14. Verse 14 says, for as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. So the power to become a son of God is to recognize the need to put your hand in the hand of the Holy Spirit and let him lead you. That is the power. Now, verse 15 makes it even clearer. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. The power to say that God is your Father and you are a son is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that power. The process of transformation is by yielding to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me say this. As a child, you are led by your emotions. When you feel uncomfortable, you cry. As a child, you are led by your belly. When you are hungry, you cry. But then as an adult, as a son, you aren't supposed to be led by your belly just as Jesus said. For as you know, it's interesting that the first temptation was a temptation to see whether Jesus was still a baby or if he has grown. <laughs> because Satan was like, oh, you poor child, you must be hungry. Why don't you turn these stones into bread? And Jesus was like, oh, what do you think of me? You think I'm still led by my belly? He said, no. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus was saying, I am no longer the child that was born in the manger, newsflash devil. I am now a grown man because I have grown and waxed strong in spirit. I am no longer led by my belly. I'm not going to cry for bread, but I am going to be led by what the word of God says. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And how do words proceed from the mouth of God? By the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says the Holy Spirit is the one who says to you what is in the heart of the Father. He says, when the spirit of truth is revealed, he will not say to you anything of his own volition of his own self, but he will say things, well, of the heart of the father. So basically by his volition is to say the mind of God. His agenda, his mission is to say what's in the mind of God. And so we hear what God is saying by the Holy Spirit. And so I want to say this to you folks. Congratulations, you are born again if you are. And if you aren't, it's not too late to come and embrace the grace of God by recognizing that Jesus did all of that for you so that you can come to be born again into the kingdom of God and have a chance to one day be like Jesus, all right? But then for those of you who are born again, I started by saying congratulations because yes, indeed, that is only the starting point. It is only the starting point. Jesus told Nico, Nicodemus, it says, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. At least before you can enter into a thing, you have to at least see it. You need to see it so that you can head in the direction of it. No one stumbles ever into heaven. You know, to get into heaven is to actually march toward it with all zest, with all commitment, with all dedication and by the grace of God. And so Jesus says, you have to first of all see it. He said, but not only seeing the kingdom in chapter, in verse five of, Gen, of John chapter three, Jesus continuing in his discourse with the same Nicodemus, he said to him, he said, unless a man be born of water, and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. When you are born again, you are born and you are like a child in the kingdom, but you have to grow and you, you have to grow and become a son so that you can have the full inheritance of the kingdom. 
My friends, if you struggle with your identity as a believer, or you struggle with being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, if your focus is still a lot on the addictions, on the carnal desires of the flesh, it is because you have yet to outgrow those desires. If you struggle to be at peace in the midst of the storm, it is because you have yet to grow in the things of the spirit. If you struggle with having joy all the time in the Holy Spirit, regardless of the happenings around you, it's because you have yet to learn fully or enough how to be led by the spirit. See, growing up is the only chance we have at truly resembling Jesus. Having the resemblance of Christ is the ultimate gospel. You see, and when I say the ultimate gospel is everything about the gospel culminates in actually being like Jesus. Remember, in the beginning, God started by saying in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, he said, let us now make man in our own image and after our own likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish, over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth, even over every cattle. If we are ever going to take this authority that Jesus has so great given to us and use it to assume once again the position of dominance of having dominion then we need to grow into that same image dominion is reserved only for man who is in the image and in the likeness of Christ and so the reason why the things around you are still dominating you is because you haven't grown the reason why things around you are still troubling you is because you haven't grown the reason why you find it difficult to forgive people is because you haven't grown so the example, in fact, let me let me share with you the example that I gave on the radio today about um, uh, pointing to the need for growth. If you would come with me to the book of Luke, chapter seven, uh, the gospel according to Saint Luke, chapter seven, details the account of Jesus and his disciples uh, talking about people who do silly things around us in you know, all of those people who say things that we don't want to hear all of those people who disagree with our theology all of those people who disagree with our politics the same people that you want to slap every time you see a comment from them on facebook all those people that you just want to you know ignore ignore calls from because they they are you know um in in disagreement with you and and those family members who continue to tease you about the things that you want to forget every one of those people jesus and had an encounter where his own disciples were struggling with silly people, were struggling with people who continued to frustrate them. And and um, and in the process, um, actually, it's actually Luke chapter 15. Um, I believe it's Luke chapter 15. And if it is not, uh, we'll do a quick search for it. Hold on one quick second. Um, because while I was getting ready, um, I had my notes from the radio right here with me. So I should just be able to pull that up very easily um, and very quickly. Um, are you telling me something? Okay, awesome. God is good. Alrighty, righty. Uh, one quick second, folks. Uh, we're, we're nearly there. Ah, it is Luke chapter 17. I knew there was a seven in there somewhere. <laughs> And um, so let's go to Luke chapter 17. And in Luke chapter 17, I will read as Jesus was saying to his disciples. This is what he said. First of all, in verse one, the Bible says that his disciples, uh, then he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. 
It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and that he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Alrighty, I mean, offenses have that kind of grave consequence. So Jesus is saying, I know that this thing is critical. I know this is not something to take lightly. When people offend, when people say things that are offensive, it, it triggers a reaction. But even the one who is saying it, of course, themselves are coming under a burden for doing so. Alrighty. And now verse four, he says, and if he sins against you seven times in the day and seven times in the day, he returns saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Now, this is the part where people say, aha, I don't have to forgive those people who don't come to me to beg for my repentance. I mean, to beg for my forgiveness or repent. I don't have to. And that is the excuse that a lot of us have been given. But Jesus was saying this for a particular reason. Because you know that he had already told them earlier that he told them in someplace else, I should say, um, that if anyone offends you, even if it is 70 times seven in a day, you should just forgive them. And I'm going to tell you, this thing is a maturity process. There are three stages to forgiveness. There are three stages, I should say, to being at peace with men. Stage number one is the baby level or more like what I would call a teenage, a teenager level. When people offend you and they come to repent, forgive them. Some of us aren't even there just yet. Some of us, when people offend you, your spouse did something he shouldn't have done and is asking for forgiveness and is telling you that he is sorry and is even obviously repented because to say you're sorry is one thing. To be sorry is not to be repentant. Okay, I can tell you that I'm sorry, I can confess my sin, but then until I turn from that way and start to bear fruits in the way that I should go, which are fruits worthy of repentance, I have not repented. Okay, to just say it is not repentance, it is confession. Now, I am talking about the fact that your spouse has confessed and even repented because he's no longer walking that path, but yet you still find it difficult to let go. So at the minimum, a believer should be at that level, should aspire to at least get to that level of being able to forgive people when they repent. But the disciples at the time when Jesus was telling them this, he was telling it to them because he knew that they were still babes when it comes to the things of peace. To be at peace with all men has three stages of growth. Stage number one is be at least able to forgive those who repent stage number two is even if they don't ask for repent even if they don't ask for forgiveness even if they don't repent if they continue to attack you if they continue to say those things jesus says 70 times seven forgive them he's taking it to another level now the third level which is the level that jesus is at and he expects you to be the level that you can grow to is the level that jesus was at when the disciples of John came to him and said to him, Jesus, we understand that you are a busy man, okay? Because, I mean, you are this Messiah and all that stuff, and that must be a very busy I mean, position to be in, trying to save the world. But at the same time, you have a cousin who is in prison, who is not just a family member, but this is also a ministry partner of yours. He was the one that announced you to the world. This was the person that introduced you to us. We didn't know you. We didn't know you. I mean, whether you're from Galilee or from Nazareth, I mean, we couldn't care less or we could care less, you see. But we knew this John because he had labored over us in the gospel of repentance. 
And this same John the Baptist who baptized us in water introduced us to you. He did all of that for you and yet is in prison and you wouldn't even show up. Now, these people were speaking out of the pain and out of the hurt that they were going through. And just as it is, when you see people saying things that hurt you, it's most likely because they themselves are hurting. <laughs> Let me tell you something because kind begets kind. You see, if you have all those people saying those things to you or doing those things to you, most times people do things to the tune of their understanding. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If I'm mature in my heart and loving in my heart, I will speak peaceably. But when I'm struggling with immaturity and when I'm keeping guile or when I am deeply hurting myself without having gone to the Savior for healing, then guess what comes out of me? What comes out of me will be things that are repulsive, things that are offensive, things that continue to divide rather than things that unite. Okay? And so Jesus was here demonstrating to us that, look, people can say whatever they feel like saying because of the pain that they're going through, but you cannot afford to take offense. Jesus says to those people when they came and they were like, Jesus, look, we're not sure we agree with your, your, your way of, of friendship or family or ministry. The way you're doing ministry is not the way we would do ministry. When we have people who do ministry with us, we'll look out for them. But here you are, you're just busy doing your own things. Now, they were speaking out of their pain, of course. And Jesus said to his disciples, he said, offenses will not but come, but happy is he who is not offended for my sake. Now, that is adult level peacemaking, which means you don't even take offense in the first place. All right. But I digress by telling you those two things. Let's come back to the one thing, which is the very basic level. Jesus says when they come to you to ask for repentance. Now, what was the response of the apostles? Let's look at it together. What was the re response of the apostles? The response of the apostles was phenomenal. When Jesus said to them, when somebody asks for repentance, you should forgive them. Verse 4, Jesus says, if they come saying, I repent, you shall forgive them. Now, what was their response? Their response was, was this. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Why would they say increase our faith? Because they were listening to what Jesus said. Jesus said it is impossible for offenses not to come. And because they had known that Jesus had already said to them that the things that are impossible with men are possible with God, and with God means by faith. You see what I mean? So they knew that it was not possible for them to do what Jesus was saying because offenses will always come and you're saying that I should forgive people. They were like, well, if that is what you're saying, we know that two things are at play here. Number one, some people are too proud or most people are too proud to even come and say, I repent. Most people are too ignorant and unaware of the foolishness that they are doing to come and beg for your repentance. Right. And so they already saw that as a, as an impossibility. And now you have one impossibility on hand. And now another, another, you have, a, you have an impossibility on the one hand. And the other impossibility is that even they will forgive those people. They were like, there's no way. Look, if we're going to do that, Jesus, you need to increase our faith. Jesus's response was phenomenal. Jesus's response pointed them to the ultimate solution for going up the ladder of growth in the kingdom. 
He said this to them in verse six. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled out by the roots and be planted in the sea and it will and it would obey you. <laughs> of course, you know that the sea represents the world. And so Jesus is saying the things of the world need to be casted out of you and thrown into the world. So the mulberry tree that has taken root in you, which is the root of offense, Jesus says that the smallest faith is enough to take that which has taken root within you and uproot it and cast it into the sea. Ladies and gentlemen, at the very minimum, at the beginning of your growth process of living peaceably with all men, Jesus says, just use that little bitty faith that you have to uproot the mulberry tree and cast it back into the world. Offenses belong in the world. They don't belong in the heart of the believer. That's what Jesus was saying here. But essentially, what Jesus was pointing to is that you do not need an increase in faith. You just need to use the faith that you already have. The same faith that got you saved is the faith that got you to embrace the forgiveness of sins that Jesus was making available. Jesus says, that is all you need. You came to me believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth and you found salvation. And so the same way that you received salvation, if you have faith enough to be saved, then you have faith enough to forgive your brothers who have offended you. That is the starting point. It is time to grow. It isn't just time to go. I know we're going to go to be with the Lord and to receive our new bodies and come back to reign with him in glory here on the earth. But before we go, we need to grow. And the reason why we need to grow is because of this thing that is called the gospel of resemblance. We need to grow into the stature of Christ. And Jesus is saying you already have received the power to grow. And that is to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. To do it not because you feel like doing it, but to do it because the Lord says to do it. And the Holy Spirit leads you to fulfill that which the Lord has said to do. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to show you one more scripture. Which, of course, if you had listened to me on the radio this morning, this is kind of like a second service for you. Let's go to the book of Hebrews very quickly. Chapter, um, let me not guess this time around. It's Hebrews chapter 5. Okay. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. The writer of Hebrews says, by the Holy Spirit, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, and yet you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. What Jesus was saying in Luke 17 were the first principles of the oracles of God. The very first principle is this. Look, it is impossible for people not to offend you. People will offend you. But it is possible for you to forgive them. And you don't even need all the faith in the world. You need just that fundamental faith that got you saved. If you have faith enough to have been able to receive the forgiveness freely that the Lord gives, you should be able to extend the same forgiveness to others at a minimum. And so Jesus is saying that when the world is, the Bible is saying here that when the world is in darkness, you are meant to be the light. You are supposed to be the teacher of others by your example. But even you are now struggling with the fundamental principles of the oracles of God. The fundamental principles of being able to uproot the root of offense from inside of you and cast it out. Let me say this again before we continue reading the book of Hebrews. Look, if you are still struggling with forgiving the people that offended you, you're a baby Christian. If you have, able, if you have been able to forgive 
Those people who come to beg for your forgiveness, you're a teenage Christian. But the grown-up adult Christians are the Christians who actually don't need your, your, you to beg for forgiveness. They just forgive you. And then the ones who are mature in the stature of Christ are the ones who do not even take offense in the first place. Many times people come to me, they come to my wife and I and they're like, ah, we were kind of like nervous about coming back after what happened, you know, but we just felt like we'll give it a try. But it's almost as if it didn't happen. You guys have just welcomed us back in and just smiling, you know, and, and receiving of us. And many people have wondered, how do you find it so easy to do that? The reason why is because in the first place, when you offended us, we did not take offense because Jesus says, happy is he who is not offended for my sake. So there was nothing to forgive. When you came, there was nothing to forgive because the offense was not registered in the first place. There might be a lesson to learn, which by the grace of God, I would truthfully share with you and say, well, this is what you did. This is what happened. This is what we did. This is how we responded. Now, for the sake of rebuking one another and growing together, maybe we should have done this like this the next time. And that is said out of love. And then we can just continue with the lesson that we have learned. It is not about forgiveness or offense because in the first place we did not take offense and that is the reason why there's no need for forgiveness we can channel all of our virtues toward growing together you see what i mean and so the secret to so it is it is it is it is easy to forgive those who ask for repentance of those who are repentant but let me tell you something even easier than forgiving those who ask for repentance is not even having anything to forgive in the first place by not registering the offense. Okay? So, because I believe it's very critical for us to know that Jesus, right, operates like that. The kingdom of God operates like that. The Bible says that if the Lord regards iniquity, who shall stand? God is not counting your sins against you. That is why the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk according to the spirit and not according to the flesh, because in the spirit, there is no, right, there is no regard for your sins. And that is the same way you need to live with other people. When they do something, you can recognize the room for teaching them. Your role is not the role of a punisher. Your role is the role of a teacher to teach people the oracles of God as opposed to punishing them and saying, I'm going to teach you a lesson. If I stop talking to you, then you're going to know that what you did is bad. Now, if I don't talk to you so that you can know that what you did is bad, how on earth am I going to let you know that what God does is good? Think about it. There are people that we stop talking to because we want them to know that what they did is bad. And by something, when we miss the opportunity of, uh, of being able to share with them the gospel of remembrance that what God has done is good. And because of that, we also need to continue to go about doing good, healing all manners of sicknesses, forgiving all kinds of hurts. We aren't supposed to be the punisher of our brothers and sisters. Paul said that we are not like the rulers of the Gentiles who lord over them. He said, we are helpers of your joy. And so here the writer of Hebrews is saying that you are supposed to be teachers, but now even you are in need of somebody to remind you of the oracles of God. That also makes a case for the gospel of remembrance. The gospel of repentance is for the unsaved. The gospel of remembrance is for the saved. And the gospel of re resemblance is for the sons.
the sinner, the saved, and the son. I think that helps us remember it better. The three S's. The repentance is for the sinner. Remembrance is for the saved. Resemblance is for the son. The ones who have come to understand the need to grow in the admonition of the truth and to the stature of the Christ. So I'm going to leave us with this thought, folks. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 that we have just read. He says, you are meant to be the ones leading by example, but now you're struggling with the fundamentals of the oracles of God. How can I invite somebody to come and embrace the forgiveness that Jesus has for them when they know that, in fact, I haven't forgiven them for what they did in fifth grade? That pencil that they broke has broken my heart and it's remained shattered till now, not allowing for me to receive the fullness of what God has for me because I receive the fullness of what God has for me when I'm able to give of the fullness of what God has given to me. Jesus says, and as you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father forgives you your trespasses. God has already forgiven you, but it is in the process of forgiving others and living with an open heart and a clear conscience that you enjoy the fullness of the forgiveness that God has for you moses anderson translation but i tell you what folks verse 13 says for everyone who partakes of only milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is a babe the bible says that you're a baby when you're still struggling with being able to forgive those who ask you you're a babe and if you're not going to forgive until they ask you you're a child and if all you do is forgive only those who ask you well, you're, you're, you're coming up, but you're still like a teenager. You need to get to the point wherein you are beyond adolescence. Adolescence, you are living in the maturity and in the stature of Christ by not even registering the offense. I know that I've said it and now I'm repeating myself, but it's okay because for me to say it, I don't mind, but for you, it is safe. Now, verse 14 says, he says, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The Bible says that it is by using it that you make it perfect. You just read it. Verse 14 says, by reason of use, those people who are mature, who are like Christ, are the ones who have used again and again their senses, the sense of compassion, the sense of forgiveness, the sense of not even holding a grudge in the first place. Those are the ones who are able to discern between good and evil. Those are the ones who have resemblance to the Son of God. The Bible says that is the key, the key is to be skilled in the word of God. The key is to use your senses, is to practice. So practice makes perfect. I want you to remember that word perfect. Let's go back to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, what did Jesus say? Jesus says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say. So basically what Jesus is saying is you need to practice forgiveness first. Now, how do I know that? Let's go back to, um, um, I believe it's verse 4. Verse 4 says, and if a brother sins against you seven times in the day, seven times he returns to you, you should forgive him. Why was he using the number seven? Because he was pointing them to perfection. Perfection is 
the, the number seven is the number of perfection. And so Jesus was saying that for you to be made perfect in your being able to be at peace with men, you need to get there by learning how to forgive. And by learning how to forgive is to practice forgiveness. And so if you want to really get good at forgiving people, don't wait until those things don't bother you anymore. Now, one of the reasons why, one of the things that people do is that people are like, man, it's still too soon. It's still too fresh. I'm still hurting. Let some time pass before I can forgive you. Now, that is because, I mean, by doing that, you're not going to get any better at learning how to forgive. If you're waiting until you have a lot of faith, you see, until it doesn't bother you anymore. When I have faith enough, I can do that. That's what the disciples were saying. They say increase our faith. And Jesus is saying, no, I don't have to increase your faith. You increase in faith by doing it now. Today is the day of forgiveness. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So while it's still hurting, forgive. While it is still painful, forgive. And when you do that again and again, you attain the perfection. And the perfection ultimately is that, you know what? When the, offend, when the offenses come, you're not even offended. It is easier to be a mature Christian than to be a baby Christian. When you're a baby Christian, you always need help in getting up and down. But when you're a mature Christian, you can walk upon your high places. And let me tell you something, Christianity or your walk with the Lord becomes so much more fun when you are a son because you know the heart of the father. When I was a little child, whenever I was asking, whenever I asked my dad for anything and he doesn't give it to me, my heart is broken. But as I became a man, I wouldn't even ask for things that are not that, that I don't need, things that are not justifiable, things that have no bearing on progress or fruitfulness. You see what I mean? And that is what happens to a lot of us when we keep feeling like, oh, God is not answering my prayer. It's because you're not even asking in accordance to his will because children don't know the will of the Father. It is when you start to grow that you begin to understand the dynamics of the kingdom and then you understand the will of the Father and you stop asking amiss to consume upon your foolishness. The Bible says when you ask amiss, you're asking to consume upon your lost children are the ones who lost after the things that they see. Adults grow into understanding the significance of the things of the kingdom. And by so doing, when you are asking from a place of maturity, you're already asking what you have already concluded in your spirit, being witnessed to by the Holy Spirit to be the will of God. And guess what? It is done. There are many advantages to growing. I have given us one example today and our time is up, but I believe that this example of growing in forgiveness and going through the stages of forgiveness, loving other people also has stages like that. Understanding the word of God has stages like that. And maybe in this, maybe this becomes a series, this gospel of resemblance, wherein we'll go from learning on how to grow in peace by going through the three stages of forgiveness to learn how to actually grow in holiness by learning the three stages of righteousness and learning the three stages of love and how many stages there are of the other virtues of the kingdom. But I believe that this gets us started. I believe that this is a good foundation for you to go on and do some study. Look at your life. Look at the areas of your life where you struggle. Do you struggle in having your needs met? It's probably because you do not understand the fundamentals of asking and asking right. Do you struggle with being at peace in the midst of the storm? It could also be that you haven't understood how to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you because only the Holy Spirit can lead you by the still waters and allow for your heart to be cooled and restored. Um, 
by the green pastures. So if you have struggled or if you have struggles in whatever area of your life, God does not have to change. Your situations will change when you grow. I tell people one of my favorite examples of, of illustrating how growth helps in this life. When you give birth to a child, the child does not immediately begin to walk, even though he already has two legs. You don't go and exchange the legs for wings and you don't go and replace the legs with sticks. You just continue to feed that child. And as the child grows, those same legs that could do nothing start to crawl. And as they continue to grow, as you continue to nurture them and feed them and model to them the example of how to get around the house because they see you walking on two legs, after a while, they themselves begin to walk. Have you replaced the legs? Have you changed your home? Have you changed being a parent? No, nothing's changed. Just the child has grown. And so for many of us, the prayers that we are asking for change are prayers that we are saying amiss. What we should ask for is for growth and growth happens in the place of faithfully practicing that which you know you know to be the virtues of the kingdom begin by forgiving those who have offended you and before you know what's going on when you do it faithfully enough and consistently enough you won't even have the need to forgive simply because you will not take offense in the first place well folks that is it for today exactly 60 minutes that this broadcast began i am thankful for your audience i do not take it for granted i am thankful for the support that I have in being able to do the work of the ministry. Thankful for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thankful for my wife and for my son here who produces these videos, for my ministry partners, uh, Will and for my ministry associates, Will and Charlotte, and Chris Ward, and for those who continue to support us financially in making this broadcast possible. Those who continue to support us morally by giving us those amazing feedbacks and sharing with us their testimonies. We are thankful. And for those people who allow for us to enjoy more of the grace of God by standing in the gap for us in the place of intercession. Let me tell you something, the ministry that God has committed to us that requires obedience from our heart in order to be able to put the grace of God into full throttle and have the motion for fruitfulness is not one that comes about without attack from the kingdom of darkness. And we come under these attacks and sometimes we don't even know simply because we have been cushioned greatly by the prayers that you continue to say for us. And we appreciate you, the intercessors for communion house and those who continue to support this teaching ministry that God has given to me. Um, I appreciate you greatly. The teaching ministry of Moses Anderson will not be a reality without the support that comes from your friendship, from your partnership. And all of us here at Communion House are thankful to God for you. God bless you. Thank you once again for listening. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it has been a blessing to you. For more information, visit us at www.communion.house and follow us on all social media platforms at Communion House. Again, that's www.communion.house and all social media platforms at Communion House. Thank you and God bless.